find your own ways, go out there, find some information, think, oh, that would work well on my system or that wouldn't, and um, and give it a try. As, as long as you're monitoring, then give it a try and you might find that it does or doesn't work, but you don't know if you don't try. New Zealand sheep and beef farmers rank resistance of parasites to drench as one of their major animal production challenges. We simply can't drench our way out of drench resistance. So welcome to the Parasite Chronicles. This is your chance to hear firsthand on how New Zealand farmers have embraced a low or reduced drench route. So make sure listening to this series is your action plan on being wiser to those worm burdens on farm. I'm Sarah Perriam Lamb. I'll be your host taking you across the country to meet sheep and beef farmers with a range of farm sizes and systems to learn how you too can use management tools to create robust animals in the face of parasite pressures. Alrighty, so let's crank into this episode of the Parasite Chronicles with Tom Brown, a sheep and beef breeding and finishing farmer in the Wairarapa. Tom is one of the 17 farmers involved in the Massey University-led Beef and Lamb New Zealand research study into farmers using reduced drench. In this episode, we aim to learn how Tom is reducing his reliance on drench on farm, what is motivating him to do so, and of course, we want to know the learnings along the way. Uh, How ongoing monitoring, feeding stock well through improved grazing management, and ultimately, balancing the act of production drop versus longer-term, more resilient animals, or not. Hey Tom, thank you so much for uh, joining us on this episode. Can you set the scene for our audience? Things like, you know, we exactly based the numbers, uh, your farming system, and of course the uniqueness of your climate. Yes, g'day Sarah. Um, we're based in Tanui, which is a coastal area of the Wairapa, North Wairapa. Um, good little rural community out there. We've been here for 13 odd years on a 600 hectare, uh, predominantly sort of medium hill type country. We we sort of got into the, the worm one after doing a test about four or five years ago and finding out we had some resistance uh, there and so sort of started to look into what we were doing and why we were doing it and um, yeah, that's that's really the, the beginnings of it there. What's it like when you get those results back around that you're starting to get resistance in your flock? Is it what, What's that, that moment where you, you have to go, oh, I think we need to start to do things differently? Um, that's probably a different moment for everyone, but for for me on a breeding property, I've I feel that I've got lots of things I can do, and it's it was probably more of a just okay now you know I just need to think about this a little bit more deeply in my management and not just gloss over it and do what you know do it without thinking sort of thing. Yeah, so so um, I'm assuming consultation with your vet and uh, the resources of beef and lamb have been working on how did you start to navigate how you're going to work on that longer term plan. Um, yeah, I'm sort of a person that's sort of quite fact driven. And so I went out and just looked for facts, um, really, and, and then decided how I was going to manipulate those within my own system, what I, what I could and couldn't use and, and that. And, uh, so that, that was me more just sort of go out, find what I needed to find and then, and then develop a system, but it doesn't really, you know, every year is different. Like this year is obviously different to a, to a typical wire per year. So you've got to, you've got to have a flexible flexibility there too. Let's talk about those levers and the tools in the toolbox that you have and work through what you've used and what works and what not so much for advice for farmers listening. 
okay, yeah, well, I've I've gone to completely nil drench of ewes, um, and that goes right back to actually sort of going into the winter as ewe hoggets. Um, and so it's, you know, we're, it's basically from an animal hitting about 40 kilos seems to be about the live weight where they develop some form of resistance or tolerance to worms. It's I think it's actually a percentage of their mature body weight, so it depends on your own sheep a little bit. But, but basically once they hit a level of maturity, then they're more capable to withstand um, a worm burden and, and continue to perform through it. Were you body condition scoring beforehand? Was it a natural part of, of the evolution of... I do in terms of the old school way of drafting lights off through the gate. Um, uh, but I do have all uh, stud stockers EID'd, so I get individual live weight gains on, on animals You know, when I put them through the weigh crate, doing their live weight sixes and live weight eights and things like that. So, um, yeah, it is animal specific, but not body condition scored. Yeah, right. I, I just want to go back there with regards to you went nil drenched. Did you sort of do that overnight or uh, wean it over a period of seasons? Um, basically overnight. Um uh, and I think you can do that on mature stocks so long as you've got to change some other management practices along the way. You can't just go, I'm going to, you know, nil drench, but then, you know, maintain the, you know, high use stocking rate, low covers, you know, all these sorts of things. So you can change, you can change overnight, but you've got to change the system as you go as well. Yeah, that's a really valid point. So therefore, if you're going to go nil drench and your animals are in good nick, but you're going into low covers and you're not really changing your grazing management, then they're not going to maintain that condition and, and be fed well. So how did you then, did you reduce numbers? Um, as I say, just more changed around what we're doing, try to predominantly sell more lambs at weaning. Um, so obviously saving some more grass into the summer. Um, um U numbers slightly and up uh, gone from a trade cattle system to a breeding cattle system. So you've got more mature cattle. Um, uh, so in the, the last few seasons have been helpful in terms of grass growth. We've grown a lot more grass than, than we have in previous seasons as well with the, the summer rains we've been getting. Yeah, that certainly changes things. That's um, one beautiful thing that's not in control, but <laughs> at the same time, um, it definitely helps support that. So with your cattle-sheep ratio and, and um, rotation, how are you managing that differently? Um, yeah, we were very high, probably sheep-to-cattle ratio, um, probably up in the 80 to 85% sheep-to-cattle um, probably dropped that more back down to 70-30 and probably going to hang around there um, depending on seasons. But it's more about how you use the cattle and not just the number of cattle you've got. Like you go, righto, I've drenched lambs into that paddock. That paddock there is probably going to be a hot paddock in another two or three weeks to a month, you know, when those eggs come through and start to turn into L4s. Um, and so you go, righto. So after lambs, instead of just letting it grow again and putting lambs back in there, you go, right, I'm going to come back through with with cattle, soak up some of those larvae. So it's about um, how you use those mobs and when. And it's not just a blanket, this is what we do, but it's sort of just a general ethos of, okay, knowing where your paddocks are that might have a worm burden issue and what you do with them. 
So so can you talk us through uh, your season from drenching lambs through and and also how you're managing your, say, faecal egg count? I mean, it's it's been a, a thing that um, stub breeders have done, but it's very much commercial farmers are embracing faecal egg count. Uh, how do you manage that? How regularly? Um, how do you keep your monitoring and measuring going? Yeah, so we, we went out and got a, um, a fit pack kit, so we have the ability to do on-farm monitoring so there's a there's a there's i use that as a as an ability to monitor lambs but you've got to go with your own instincts first in terms of right this is how i this is i think there's a worm burden there i need to test sort of thing so it's a matter of using some science and some instincts still um basically what i do is the lambs will get a drench at weaning um and then i don't i don't buy into this you should drench your lambs every Four weeks a month or whatever um, regime that we're that we're told to try to keep worm burdens down um, in terms of loadings on the on the pasture. Um, we can push in the dry summer. We can push out to sort of three four months um, without a drench right through January February March if it stays dry. Um, and so basically just monitoring um, the odd worm count and the odd um, as I say weight on lambs to see if they're still growing. At a, an acceptable level, um, so that's how I <clears throat> that's how I go with the lambs. In a year like this, I'm drenching pretty much on the month or just over. I try to make sure I get at least another four or five days of um, worms going out of those lambs, as opposed to drench, you know, bang bang. Because um, every time you you drench, I feel you're providing an opportunity for to evolution of those resistant worms. Whereas the less you drench, then the less the evolutionary pressure, the less mixing there is of the non-resistant with the resistant. So that's been my um, way of going thought of going about it. It's not what the some of the experts will tell you, but that's how I've gone about it. Um, and then that country that the lambs has been on, the, once you head into the autumn, I try to push them right out into the, the further reaches of the farm to the more extensive areas, and I single cyanate um, stud use in the, the front country. So that's a, a mob of undrenched ewes um, coming back round through that through that area. Um, and so they come in, they replace the, the lambs and whatever cattle I've had there, they go out and the, the stud ewes come in and hopefully on the, the further reaches of the farm into the inner areas because it's always the areas closer to your, your yards and you know, better areas of your farm that get that worm burden. I'm going to talk about genetics shortly, but um, just uh, picking up on that, have you noticed a production check since you went nil drenching and and extended out past um, lamb drenching? The biggest production hurdle that I've had to face is the basically the the lack of growth in new lambs through the tutus. Um, Like we mated, you or tutus, you stud ewes. Not this mating just happening right now, but the previous mating um, at 53 and a half kilos, and um, that's that's something that I probably would like to see increase this year. It's 57.2, and so are they becoming more tolerant of the worms, or have they just been fed better? Um, that's the one you want to watch. We'll operate in the way I'm doing it. If you wanted to protect yourself against that, you might want to have a winter crop or or even um, some spring feed, spring spring sown crop that you feed into that next 
early summer period for those tudus to make sure they get to mating weight. That's probably the the biggest crux of it. Um, I can I can take that challenge a bit more as a stud farmer because I. I feel that I'm finding out about each individual animal a bit more. Yeah, so so with regards to genetics, there is the ability to, of course, select maternal rams based on um, parasite resistance. There's been an, an, you know, a long period of time that that's been in the system now coming through sheep breeding. So uh, would that be one of the major tools as a stud breeder? Um, you'll be biased to this, I'm sure, but you know, how much does that play versus feed? I'm biased, but not in the way that you would think, probably. Um, I don't believe that we are going to out-evolve a worm with sheep. You look at the average sheep genetic interval is three years, and the average worm genetic interval, I don't know, three months. Um, uh, Particularly if you're drenching your lambs four, five, six, seven, eight times or whatever a year, every time you drench, it's providing an opportunity for evolution of those worms versus... You know, your sheep, as I say, once every three years, roughly, as a generation interval. So I think you're better to actually select good genetic sheep that are good structure, good performance, and then work on a system to minimise your drench use that those sheep still perform under, um, rather than going, I'm going to go buy genetically tolerant sheep to worms and think that it's going to solve my problems because it probably won't. So many questions, Tom, um, but I just want to ask you one with regards to, do you fo- focus anything with regards to nutrients in pasture and noticing anything there from an animal health perspective that gives them that barrier for health against them? No, I, I, a well-fed animal will tolerate worms better than a poorly fed animal. And a lot of what drenching has done in the past is just substitute drench for grass. You know, when you're short of grass, it's like, oh, we'll, we'll give them a drench. Um, so. Uh, Feeding is important if you've got a worm resistance issue and you want to grow your ewe lambs out, something like that, well through the summer, right? I put in a crop of chicory and, and uh, give that a go. But that, that's for everyone to decide on their own. That. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Because, I mean, to clean up paddocks with moving in round crop systems is one option versus, yeah, obviously what uh, resilience you've got within your flock as well. Tom, it's been awesome chatting to you and getting your philosophies and learnings from uh, reduction in, of drench and uh, what you're doing with your farming system there in Tainui. Um, lastly, what advice, if you've got farmers listening that are really having a challenge and they know that they need to reduce drench, they're, they're getting a real resistance problem within their flock, what would you suggest is that first low-hanging fruit that they really need to sit down on and focus on? Co-grazing and pasture length are probably the, the way to go. Um, you know, breed is different from finishes, but... Find your own ways, go out there, find some information, think, oh, that would work well on my system or that wouldn't, and um, and give it a try. As, as long as you're monitoring, then give it a try and you might find that it does or doesn't work, but you don't know if you don't try. So Yeah, it awesome. Hey, thank you so much, Tom. It was so great to catch up with Thomas Brown farming there on the east coast of the North Island about how he is managing parasites on his farm. We hope this has been helpful for you and realise there is no one-size-fits-all approach, but careful ongoing monitoring, feeding, stock well and using other parasite management practices will be important. As well as, of course, head along to Beef and Lamb New Zealand's Knowledge Hub or wormwise.co.nz for more information. Make sure to check out all our other episodes in this series as well. Thanks for listening.